Hello amazing physicians. Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Physician podcast. This is Vidya Kolu and Anish Desai. We are both practicing physicians in the US. As underdogs, the deck always feels like it's stacked against us. No matter what you do, it seems more challenging to reach your goal compared to your peers, and you possibly end up in an even more difficult situation. Our stories and common journey has laid the foundation for the Underdog Physician podcast. Despite our struggles, we got to where we are now with persistence, hard work, and more importantly, by surrounding ourselves with a nurturing community. This podcast is for the underdog pre-medical, medical students, residents, and aspiring physician entrepreneurs who are looking to find a source of inspiration to beat the odds no matter where you are in your journey. We'll be discussing residency and med school application process, navigating medical training effectively, personal finance, and work-life balance. We are so glad you are listening to our podcast while commuting, exercising, doing laundry, cooking, waiting in line, or whatever chore you might be working on. I'm so excited to have our special guest speaker, Dr. Manik Madan, who'll be sharing his journey of matching into a psychiatry residency in the U.S. I hope his story can serve as an inspiration to many of you. I'm excited for this episode. So, Dr. Madan, let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Dr. Anish. Like, by the way, I'm just so grateful to you for inviting me on this podcast. It's just an honor. I am an incoming PGY1 resident in psychiatry at Penn State College of Medicine in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I graduated from Kim's Medical College. That's in Bengaluru, Karnataka, India. And for the past year, I've been just doing a series of externships as well as research, getting my hands dirty with research and then going through out the whole match process, which was so tedious. It's, it's been a journey, I would say. Like, it's been a long journey. <laughs> For the audience, tell us a little bit more about the match process, especially coming in from, from, from a different country. What was that experience like? How did you navigate that? Firstly, like I would say it's a very like different experience than anything you get in India because in India, it's a lot about scores. So you get a good score in like, and like in the exam that's here, uh, here it's called NEET-PG and you get the seat you want, like in whichever specialty you want it. But in the US, there's this, like other than the quantity aspect of scores, there's this quality check. I think that makes the process far more holistic. So like they're like looking at your personal statement, they're looking at your LORs, they're looking at your whole application other than just like in addition to your scores, which I think makes the process a bit more difficult than the Indian process. Since I'm from India, I had no orientation to that. I was like just surprised and shocked about how many things I had to do simultaneously. For example, I'm preparing for step two CK. At the same time, I'm thinking about writing my personal statement. At the same time, I'm thinking about, okay, when should I schedule my rotations? At the same time, and right, you're arranging right. all these documents. So there's just so many things happening simultaneously. And you don't really deal with that, like when you're preparing for an, an Indian, to get into an Indian residency. So like there is just a very linear process, but I think USMLE, like the whole match process was not linear at all. And there's just so many things involved that you're doing at the, like just one time. And I think that's, that's what makes it harder than the Indian, you know, residency exams. So it sounds like, you know, just, you know, just for myself too, I remember, cause I went to school here, but I remember even for myself, 
you know, it was, a, it was a very challenging process, just navigating through the application, especially for residency. So I, I'm kind of curious to know, have you figured all of this out? You know, how did you figure out, you know, what you need to do in terms of letter of recommendation, what rotations you should do, and how to write a great personal statement? So how, how are you able to, to figure those things out? So in terms of LORs, I guess, like, I feel like the best way to like, first think about LORs is to try to get into an inpatient rotation rather than an outpatient rotation, because in, I feel like inpatient rotations carry a bit more value than outpatient rotations. So I think that makes the LOR better. Like, so I was able to fetch like two inpatient rotations and two outpatient, but I would definitely say, think about that because inpatient, like everybody just, you know, all the PDs like inpatient rotations a bit more than outpatient. Secondly, I would say is go and read the ACGME's core guidelines for, you know, residents. What, what is it called? You would know it, right? The seven, like they have these seven things like professionalism, like, oh yeah, yeah. The core competencies that, that core they, competencies, like, correct, right. correct. I would say, read the seven core competencies and try to be at your best behavior in all of those seven competencies, whenever you're doing a rotation. So that can like, because that LOR, you want the, whoever's your LOR writer, you want them to mention at least four out of seven competencies in your LOR. And if you can behave well in all seven, seven competencies, right, you have a good shot at a really good LOR. So just, just go through those seven core competencies. There are additional things like that I've read, like there's other, like other than the core competencies, there's something new that they've introduced. I don't really remember it, but that's what I did. I went through the seven core competencies and made sure I was on like my best behavior throughout my rotations, like in all those seven core competencies. And I think I got great LORs because all my, like during my interviews, everybody was like, they've written like great things about you. Like, how did you get this LOR? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what I would do. So for, that's a great suggestion. So for those listening, Dr. Madan just talked about the ACGME general competency. For those who don't know, some of those are patient care, medical knowledge, patient practice-based learning and improvement, interpersonal and communication skills, professionalism, and systems-based practice. So Dr. Madan is advising that when you're seeking, when you're seeking these clinical rotations that are in the inpatient settings, you want to focus on some of these core competencies that you consider to be your strengths and try to have the letter writers highlight those core competencies. And, and that's really the key to making a, a, a strong letter of recommendation. That is a very great suggestion. Dr. E Madan, uh -huh. go ahead. Yeah. And I would especially say, so is because let's say like you're interviewing for a residency program, right? So like, if you have those, uh, like those core competencies in your LOR, you're already, they're already like, he's going to, or she's going to make a great resident. So that's why it's a really good like process to just like, you know, go through those core competencies and make sure, you know, the core competencies and behave in a good way. Like, you know, like along those lines of those core competencies is all I would say. Yeah, no, definitely. That is a very great suggestion. How do you recommend that IMGs apply for clinical rotations? What should they be looking for? Because oftentimes I know that, you know, the process can be challenging when, you, when you're applying to, to multiple places for rotation. So what, what's your guidance on that? How do you go about applying? I would say, number one, seek like rotations only in the speciality you're applying for. So I think because the letter, uh, like, you know, you want the letter writers to be in the speciality, like, you know, you're going to be applied for and they, they should be working in that. 
So that's what makes for a strong letter, right? Like if let's say a psychiatry professor is writing me an LOR, me the LOR for IM, that's not always going to look good because he's like in psychiatry and they're like, you're applying for IM, like what's even the use? So always try to get rotations in the speciality that you're applying for, number one. Number two, what I would say is try to get inpatient hands-on experience, then outpatient hands-on experience. And the last thing on your mind should be an observership, which is hands-off. So like inpatient and hands-on should be things you should thinking about all the time. So that's what you should always look for. If you can't get that outpatient hands-on, if you can't get that, that, then observerships work. The second thing I would say, third thing regarding rotations is always try to apply to directly to the hospitals, for example, like big universities, because that's like that, like the letterhead is going to have their name. For example, if you did a rotation from Bill Cornell, well, that looks good. If you did a rotation from Harvard, that looks good. But due to COVID, like applying to these big places is not possible because uh, of the certain restrictions. So if you can't like, but if you can get in, of course, go, go there. Even if it's costly, like some people don't go to big places because like, they're like, oh my God, it's going to cost me $4,000, $5,000. But I think it's worth the price because in the end, you'll see the results in the interviews you get, because uh, when they look at the LOR, like it's from Will Cornell, I think they're going to be impressed and they're going to offer you the interview anyway. So don't think about just cheapening out on your experiences or like, you know, I think it's okay to spend really yeah yeah that's what i did absolutely like, yeah no that that's the listeners dr madan is recommending you know to seek out institutions that would would carry a big weight on your on your ap- overall application and i wouldn't see this as a as a price i would see it more as an investment yes, in your future yeah. um you know so i i think that's that's a great great recommendation the one of the other common questions that i get asked in addition to how to pick clinical rotations is the role of research uh, especially, you know, when you're applying, applying as an IMG, I actually got asked recently a question about role of research in, uh, for someone who's applying for psychiatry residency. So w- what's your take on that? So when you're thinking about research, there are two things you're thinking about. The first is research experience. And the second thing is just publications, right? So research experience means that you've worked in a team uh, with people and try to publish a paper, Right. So that carries some weightage, like in the era CV. Then publications are separate. You can get publications by doing a a systematic review or meta-analysis without even having research experience. So I'm going to tell you the pros and cons, like like the pros of both the things. So if you have research experience, let's say for one year at Will Cornell, first of all, you're going to make a lot of connections through that because you're going to help them with projects. You're going to have a PI, right? Principal investigator. You're going to like work under them. Like you can make connections with them and they'll like find out, you know, they'll call uh, PDs from different residencies to get you the interview. So a lot of my friends, like a a friend who got into neurosurgery as an IMG, he did that. He worked for like four years in research Mm. as a research assistant. uh, Like, I don't know the exact, I think he worked at Yale. Yeah. So at Yale. So because of that, he, he made contacts through his principal investigator and that got him so many interviews, right? So that's very important, like contacts. Second thing is it gets you publications and you get the skills of, let's say bio, like you get the skills of uh, statistics, right? How to do research. 
So the skills are very important. And then you get the publications, which again, look great on your era CV. And then you can talk about those publications with, you know, during the interview. So this all helps you getting like in getting interviews, right? And then if you want to get into a university program, again, having publications is always good because guess who they want, like in a university program, somebody who can publish, right? Because mm -hmm. they are into research. They want people who can publish research, just basic sense. Secondly is just publications without research experience. You're not going to make any connections through this, but again, having publication shows number one and interest in research. So that's going to be attractive to research, uh, like university, uh, programs who are interested in research. Mm -hmm. Right. And secondly, having publications just shows you have skills, right. In statistics and skills in maybe uh, basic research. Right. So that's again, an attractive quality that a lot of programs look for. That's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's a great suggestion. So for those listening, you know, so Dr. Madan is recommending that special. Oh, sorry, hold on. So that's a great, great suggestion. So for those listening, Dr. Madan is actually recommending uh, considering research, especially if you're trying to get into a into an academic institution. One of the other things that I've noticed is a lot of IMGs that are applying have phenomenal scores, have relatively good LORs. What, what else would you say the, the, the IMG applicant should do to, to make themselves distinct from, from the rest? That's, that's a great question. What I would say is the thing that I found the most lacking in me as an IMG. Yeah, sure, sure. As an IMG, I think the one fundamental skill that I think I hadn't honed properly were interpersonal communication skills, right? Like when I was interviewing, I felt like all the American graduates, like they were at a totally different level. For them, like the interview felt as if it was conversational between them and the interviewer. For me, it felt like a Q&A session. And I think that ability to make the interview conversational, make it feel like it's not an interview, make it feel like it's invisible to the eye. Like it's not just a Q&A session. It's like two people communicating, having fun, I think that's something that is very missing in the IMG population, that level of interpersonal communication skills. And I think that's what, like, if you look at the NRMP match data, right, the most important thing for matching and the most important, like quality the PDs look for are interpersonal and communication skills, not the USMLE scores. And I think that is an important issue like that, like IMG should work on is to work on their interviewing skills. And secondly, is if you have good interpersonal and communication skills, you know how to network. Right. And I think so many IMGs just don't know how to network. Like people, instead of like offering value to people, like starting with, you know, like start the talk with giving hand, they would like start begging for opportunities. They would start be like, you know, just help me out. Just do this. Just do that. I think that mentality isn't good. I had that mentality to be honest, but I had to learn these things along the way. Like you have to be helpful to people for them to help you back. Like that's how it works. Like it's a symbiotic relationship. You just can't be the only person who's receiving value and you're not just giving anything, right? People won't just write you the LOR for no reason, right? You need to be a good student. You need to be contributing, like even in research to get like a good LORs or good recommendations. It doesn't, you can't just beg for things, right? Like I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about uh, the role that language barrier might play with the interview process too? Because, you know, I imagine that people are applying from all over the world uh, and English might not be their native language. So what do you think about that? And, and, and what do you think um, they should do to, 
to to be the best version of themselves even when they land this kind of interview so that's that's a great question i think even like the language thing the you know language issues they are like at two different levels some people like number one they just don't know basic english properly mm-hmm. so that is something that they should ex- like really work on there's an app called duolingo Mm-hmm. uh which is extremely helpful you, you can just start by watching netflix you can watch an english movie but like turn on the spanish subtitles or like any italian subtitles and just try to understand i think that's very important because if you think about it at its core like every single like thing in patient care is you know dependent upon how you can communicate with the patient like how can you deliver the bad news how can you be empathetic and you cannot like be empathetic if you don't know the basic language skills right and i think the second level of language issues that people face is they don't know how to build a rapport like a lot of people don't know what rapport is i did not know like in my med school when i started first year i was like yeah. what's rapport <laughs> <laughs> to be honest yeah right like so people don't even know the concept of rapport like how body language works how can you use your uh, non verbal uh skills to improve your verbal skills that's like how do you phrase things correctly is immensely important because they're looking for that because i feel like the best doctor would be a doctor who can communicate what they know and get like from the patient uh what the patient knows well right so if you don't know that basic skill what good is your usmle score transcript going to do for you right like even if it's stellar so i think a lot of people miss out on like matching because like you know they just don't have good communication skills and this is extremely important that you work on like your communication skills because that is the most important thing for matching like that's why a lot of people who just get one interview and they don't even have stellar scores match and that is why a lot of people who have like great stellar scores but like average like skills talking skills they don't match right i think that's why the discrepancy comes there because interpersonal communication skills are the most important things i think in the whole process yeah that's so true manik and and all the points you mentioned even in terms of getting to the interview point it's about communication and the scores are behind you once you get to the interview stage and it's all how you impress them with your personality and communication that helps you get to where you want to and so just kind of to get uh, know more about you for our listeners so you have matched in psychiatry in at penn state so what got you interested in psychiatry to begin with because it's not a common specialty that is chosen in india and and when you are applying for the the us residency what helped you kind of steer towards psychiatry so so like i come from a family of physicians so like i've seen my parents work uh, in medicine like right from kindergarten and i like so like and i felt it was such a noble profession i totally wanted to do medicine right up till like middle school when i found this book uh, by dale carnegie it was called how to make friends and influence people so it was about psychology and i was blown like away by like how like a few psychological tactics like you know let's say saying a person's name after each sentence let's say hi uh, dr anish how are you doing like you know saying that name over and over again can actually help you in building rapport because like and even if like, let's say you you go to a restaurant right and you're talking with the waiter you know their name and you keep on repeating that name that will help you build rapport faster than anybody who doesn't know their name so i think like just knowing a few things on like how to make friends and influence people it just blew my mind and i was able to improve my relationships through that so i was like i want to go into psychology 
So like when I joined med school, I, I was like, you know, throughout med school, I was like, what branch other than psychiatry can help me combine my love for medicine as well as psychology, right? And this was just like one reason. The other reasons were I saw a lot of suicides, especially like if you go to med school, like there's just so much stress. Like <laughs> you're multi-managing so many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of like one of my seniors committed suicide just out of like stress. I've oh. seen that like gave himself uh, some anesthetic and it was very like I've, everybody was shocked. Another senior of mine just committed suicide like last year. So and and so many people go through depression. I've seen them like one of my best friends went like developed bipolar. So all of these things like. I was just, and there's no cure for these things. And I want like my basic desire is I really want to like use my love for medicine and psychology to cure these disorders, especially depression, uh, bipolar. And if you look at the world today, one in four Americans suffer through depression or like any major uh, psychiatric disorder, at least once in their lifetime. Right. And it is the number mm-hmm. one cause of neuro, like neuropsychiatric disorders are the number one cause of disability, disability all over the world. If you look at the data right look at covid mm-hmm. like the pandemic that mm-hmm. nobody like really you know like that was not tangible was actually depression like out of the covid 19 mm-hmm. pandemic so many people went through micro micro depression or depression if i would say i have seen so many people like m- me going through like you know so much stress just because of covid like staying at home and going through social media and that's all you do right now look at like humanity right now mm-hmm. we are all sitting all the time no exercise Right. And that's why people get depressed, but there's just a pressing need right now to address these issues, mental health issues. And I think that's what I want to do with my life is just to address mental health worldwide and try to decrease the rates of depression, Mm -hmm. if not cure it someday, major psychiatric disorders. I really want to cure them, but let's see. That's a great insight into, into, you know, your thought process and and how you use what's been going on around you to shape and essentially find your purpose your your long-term purpose tell us a little bit about you know if you have any other any system that you recommend uh to our listeners um you know who, who are i guess imgs who are not sure about uh, essentially what specialty to pursue in other words what their purpose should be you know when, when they're applying to these specialties or, or why are they applying uh what what's like a framework that you would recommend that uh you know the listeners uh, uh utilize to figure out their purpose and figure out, you know, what specialty best fits their, uh, you know, values and, and goals. So uh, I'm going to give you the answer to this. Like, uh, so my interviews asked me like, why psychiatry, right? So I'll give you a great interview answer too for this. So like the way to figure out your speciality, I, I think would be first ask yourself like these three questions. The first thing is like in regards to medicine, number one, what are you great at? Like, what are you really good at? you know, like if you're not great at it. Secondly, uh, what do you love doing? Right. Thirdly, how can I serve the world? Right. And ask yours, like in all, like just draw three circles and see the intersection point of all these like circles. And these three questions are in those circles. Right. So number one, what am I, what am I really great at? For me, that was conversation. I love, like, I think I'm really good at conversation. I've done public speaking. I love communicating with people. So that was the answer to the second question. I I also love this thing. And thirdly, the way I can serve the world is like how the intersection, right? By talking to people, trying to elevate their suffering, depression. And I think psychiatry was the perfect fit for me because it was the intersect, like it lied in the intersection of 
all these, you know, the answer to all of these questions. The second thing I would say is, let's say you just had like one month to live, right? If you just had one month to live, what would you be doing right now? Right. And money like was no issue. What would you be doing right now? And write that down, right? Once you get that answer, like, you know, try to pursue that. But again, it's just a system. Third thing I would say is, again, if let's say you had a billion dollars with you anyways, right? You had so much money, you couldn't count it. What specialty would you go for? And like money just wasn't an issue because I think a lot of people like they look at general surgery. Okay. That pays like $400,000 orthopedics pays $500,000 plastics pays $600,000 and they make their choice based on how much money they're going to get. And that's, I think, especially true in the U S because of the loans you guys have, like if you do medical school from there, so that that's why like that makes a really big impact in your, in the specialty choice. But I think that should not be in, like, you shouldn't go that like in that route, because if you're not in, like, you're going to be practicing medicine for the rest of your life in the specialty you're going to choose. Thank you for listening to the underdog physician podcast. As you go about your week, no matter how challenging your journey might be, we want you to remember that you're an awesome individual. If you loved listening to this podcast, do subscribe leave a review in the podcast platform you're listening to us from and share with others on social media. Please do not forget to tune into our next episode. Until then, Namaste. Namaste.